Hello and welcome listeners to another inspiring episode of the Reconnect podcast. I am your host, Sean Killingsworth, and today we have the incredible privilege of diving into a conversation with Ginny Urich, the visionary founder of the 1000 Hours Outside movement. Ginny is a Michigan homeschooling mother of five and the founder of 1000 Hours Outside, a global movement, media company, and lifestyle brand meant to bring back balance between virtual life and real life. She is a thought leader in the world of nature-based play and its benefits for children, and one of her top priorities is to inspire parents to invest in spending time in God's creation with their children. Her 1,000 Hours Outside Challenge spans the globe, and many people from all walks of life look, look to her for inspiration, as well as practical tips on how to put down the screens and get outside. Ginny has a bachelor's in mathematics and a master's degree in education from the University of Michigan. She loves growing zinnias, and she is also an author and illustrator. Her most that recent- was long. This is too long. Too long? <laughs> Sean, oh, I'm embarrassed. It oh, feels no, no, it's no, fine. No. It's fine. <laughs> this is like embarrassingly any- long. I've got to cut this shorter, I think. <laughs> okay. All right. Um well uh, I'm, just, no, I'm just joking around. So we hi, I'm here. Welcome. I'm just a mom. <laughs> you have quite the extensive background. So her um so her her book that she is actually releasing, her newest book, it launches in November of 2023, Until the Streetlights Come On, How to Return to Play, uh, How a Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Kids for an Uncertain Future. So That's yes, right. I'm so excited to have this conversation and I'm so thrilled to talk to another leader in this space. So uh, what inspired you to create this movement 1000 Hours Outside? Well, thanks so much for having me, Sean. I'm thrilled to be here. Embarrassed about how long of a bio that was. We sent that over. That wasn't your fault. Uh, that was <laughs> our fault. So I'm like, I, I really need to shorten that. That's way too long. Mainly, I'm just a mom. And I fell into this because I was a mom that was struggling. And when I became a mom, what I noticed around me is that most people just enroll their kids in things. And so that's what I did too. You enroll your kids in all sorts of programs like the swim class and the music and mom class and the library program. And for me, I just had a really hard time with all of that because the kids didn't really wanna go. And also those programs tend to be fairly short. So you would put in like this extensive effort to try and like get your kids out of the house, their babies, they're crying, they're toddlers, they're in diapers, they're nursing, all of these different things. It's like a circus act juggling to try and get them out of the house. And then you go to a thing and it was only 30 minutes and then you'd have to do it all in reverse to get home. And I was just this exhausted, fairly down, struggling new mom. And what happened was I had a friend of mine who told me about this philosopher, this educational philosopher who actually is from the 1800s, who recommended that kids should be outside for four to six hours every day when the weather is tolerable. So there's a caveat there. We're in Michigan. The weather is not always tolerable. And I know in other parts of the country too, the weather is not always tolerable. But just this thought of an extended period of time outside, I'd never heard of that. And I just thought it seemed kind of outlandish. That's a really long period of time. And I felt like I was trying to entertain my kids all day. And I thought, well, what are they going to do for four to six hours? There's no way this is going to be engaging enough to them to last for that period of time. But we ended up trying it at the behest of this friend. She asked us to go and I thought I was going to crash and burn, but it turned out to be this phenomenal day, Sean, because 
what happened was is the kids were just engaged in their surroundings. So this is all the way back in 2011. You were like a little kid back then, I'm sure. And we would we tried this outside thing where we met at a park from nine in the morning until one in the afternoon. And I'd never done anything like that. I'd never done anything for that length of time. I thought the kids were going to be bored and whining. But what turned out is that they loved it. And they were three and under. And she had kids that were three and under. My friend, we each had three kids. So there were six kids there, two of them were babies. And so we held our babies and we had conversation and the kids would come back and forth to get food and picnic. And we all just had a good day. And it was really the first good day I'd had as a mom. I really had struggled up until that point. And my oldest child was three. So that's three years of struggle that changed really on a dime just by shifting how we structured our days. And so it started way back then over the years, over the last now it's been 12 years that we've lived this way. Now our oldest is now 15. So he was three, now he's 15. This still works. And I would imagine that you at college, you know, it still works too. Like if you're out and you go on some sort of a cool adventure, like we went and visited this college in Arizona called Grand Canyon University. And they had this whole like adventure department where people were going off and doing these camping trips together and they offered all of these different things. It's like when you go do that, you're so engaged. And also it's helping you develop. It's helping all of us develop in every facet of our development. So it's helping with cognition. So things like the kids academics, it's actually really helping that counterintuitively. I don't think people tend to know that, but it's helping with cognition and our emotional growth, our social growth, which I know that's one thing that's really big for you with the reconnect movement. It's helping obviously physically. And then spiritually is one of the ones that sometimes we talk about and sometimes we don't depending on if people are interested in that but that's also a factor as well wow yeah i mean it's just it's something that is innate like when you go outside it just you kind of just fall into place like you know as kids especially you know they're jumping off of stuff and they're running around and looking at this and looking at that bug you know it just it just kind of fits in and it gives us this you know life it's it's so natural like we did one event outside we went on a hike with the club and everybody was like oh i'm gonna go on a walk over this way or i'm gonna go check out that thing and it just like you know, it's, it's just, it just kind of happens and it unfolds. Um, so right. it's like nature facilitates that, right? Nature yeah. facilitates that there's going to be something for everyone. And I think it's interesting when you talk about like kids naturally, like when they jump off of things and they land, well, that's also helping their bone structure. So there's this woman named Katie Bowman. She's a biomechanist. She's written all these books and she says that osteoporosis. So it's like the thinning of the bones. And as people get older, especially women, a lot of times their bones are brittle and they break. Well, she says osteoporosis is actually a childhood disease that shows up in adulthood. So like those things that you're talking about, Sean, where kids are naturally driven to do these different things, those are actually helping their bodies. And for the long run, for the long haul, every time they jump and land, that impact helps strengthen the skeletal system. So those things, if we allow kids to do them, it's really helping them facilitate their own growth. Wow. And like, how important is that for parents? Of course, parents mm-hmm. want their child to have the best, the you know, the best health, the best growth, you know, the best future. And like, you know, that is so important. Right. It's natural. It's it's not, you're not giving them a pill that's going to strengthen their bones. It is the natural course of the human body and mind that is craving these things to, to build those. Yeah. 
and they like it. Like it's fun. It's not yeah. something that you have to really coerce. And yeah. so that's a great part of it too, because parenting in, in aspect, and I know that your audience is not necessarily parents, maybe some are and some aren't, but what a neat thing even in life, like no one likes to be coerced or told what to do. But the right. fact that when we engage on our own terms, that that is helping us grow, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say, even though we're maybe not parents yet, I would say all of us in this generation, because we've grown up with these devices, we have very strong opinions on how we're going to go about giving devices to our kids. I think a lot of us are going to be very uh, apprehensive to just give unfettered access to devices and internet because we experience so many negatives of it. Um, wow, but, Sean, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's I've definitely heard that from people my age as well. But um, so I wanted to know, like, you, you started this movement kind of just out of your own, you know, parental desires, but now it is this global movement that you've had this experience of creating. Like, what is something that has surprised you after creating this movement? I think what surprised me is that it still works, that you find something that works for you when you're in a certain stage of life. And I think life changes so much, right, Sean? It's like you're in these different stages of life. And so a lot around you changes and you go through these different phases. Well, here we are now. I have a, a son that's almost your age. He's 15, so only five years younger than you. And this way of living life where we're just being intentional about getting outside, being intentional about having like hands-on real life experiences, it still works. And so I couldn't ever imagined that 12 years later, I would still be in the same spot, doing the same thing and still deriving so much benefit from it. And I think someone asked me recently, like, will you still be doing this once your kids are grown and out of the house? And the answer is absolutely. Because I think in a world where screens dominate, you have to be very intentional about the time that you build in to combat that and to find balance. Yeah. And it's, it really does facilitate connection because even if they come home from college or what, you know, are you going to want to sit yeah. inside? No, you're going to want to go outside, have a picnic. It, you know, you talk and it, it just, it works. Yeah. So one of the things, it, it's so important going forward, you know, my generation doesn't want their kids to be stuck on screens either. So how do you see this shaping the landscape of childhood for the generation of children on the planet right now and future generations to come? Mm. It's such an honor to be in this place. I talked to this man recently whose name is Andrew Pudawa, and he wrote a homeschool curriculum. I know you were homeschooled for a bit. He wrote a homeschool curriculum called IEW. It's a writing curriculum, Institute for Excellence in Writing. Yeah, did you do it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's great. And I speak at conferences with him and people follow him around like he's the Pied Piper. He's just really personable and he speaks to people I think with what they need and he and he just is really this magnetic personality. Well, I talked to him recently and he said to me, he said, you're going to have people that come up to you decades down the road and say, I was a 1000 hours outside kid. And that's going to be a defining part of who they are. And it was such a huge statement. He said, you're not there yet, right? Because it's still too new. But kind of like what you said before we even started recording here, you were talking about your own childhood and how your mom placed an emphasis on being outside. And now that you're older and you're not a child anymore, you can look back and be so grateful. You can be grateful that she limited the screen time. And so my hope is that it snowballs. He said that it's going to give a, Andrew Pudua, that this will give a foundation for those kids to 
do the groundwork for their own kids to come. And so I think it's all coming full circle. Like you said, John, I mean, people have grown up with these screens and they're seeing the detriment. They're seeing the detriment in their social skills. They're not liking it. And so we're in this, I think, wave of change, not necessarily back, but taking some of those principles from older generations and reapplying them to live fuller lives now. Right. Agreed. Yeah. It's, I think that a common misconception is like, oh, well, you want to go backwards in the, you know, progression of technology, but it's like, no, no, no. As technology progresses, we need balance. Like we need this balance yeah. going forward for the future generations to live more fulfilled lives. So as I've been listening to you and I've heard your message, I've kind of heard two themes emerge, the importance of boredom and the importance of unstructured play. So, um, you know, when I was a kid, I had tons of unstructured play, you know, so just kind of kicked us out of the house, you know, run around, come up with adventures or things to go do. Are we going to go fishing, go climb that thing, you know, and it kind of shapes shaped I remember the experience of it kind of shaping me like making my own decisions going and doing that thing and kind of I have so many memories of that how would you describe define unstructured play versus structured play yeah it's a good question so there's a book called free to learn by a man named Dr. Peter Gray and he's been studying child development for decades he's older he actually uses the phrase self structured play which I think is a really interesting distinction right because when we say unstructured a lot of times that is a negative connotation like right. oh it's a waste of time right he and he uses self structure because there is structure to it right when you talk about making your choices to go fishing and making your choices to you know, let's say you're going to build a fort or you are structuring that and when we were kids like we would go play pickup games of sports i'm not sure if you did that but sometimes we would go like there would be a neighborhood baseball field and it was like run down and we would go and meet up with kids and you would have to structure all the rules because it wasn't always like there's 12 kids and six kids for this team and six kids and everyone's got a uniform it's not like that sometimes four kids show up and sometimes six kids show up and everyone is different ages so it's so different from the sort of adult structured sports youth sports culture that we see so much today so self-structured or unstructured is the child is structuring it, structuring it, and the adult is not stepping in. And I think so often we view ourselves as being older and wiser, but this woman, Angela Hanscom, she is this pediatric occupational therapist. She wrote a book called Balanced and Barefoot. It's fantastic. But she says as adults, like we think we know everything, but she says a child's neurological system begs to differ. They actually know they know what they need to do in order to develop and so by giving them that time and it, we i think if we focus on social because that's such a big thing that you talk about with the reconnect movement is in all of these situations where there's no structure or an adult has not come in and said we're going to do this and we're going to do it that way a kid has to learn how to compromise. They have to learn how to be a good friend. They have to learn not to be bossy. They have to learn that really precarious balance of conversation and how to build friendships. And that's what's happening in that time where no one is telling you what to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, when was the time that you kind of observed your kids fall into this self-structured play? 
I mean, it happens all the time. And actually, as a parent, you act, you don't notice it too much unless you willfully notice it. Because when you have these kids and they're off playing and no one's fighting or screaming, you're like, hallelujah, I'm going to go get something done. You know, oh, I'm going to yeah. prep a meal or, or whatever. But right. at the times when I have stepped back, you hear conversations like, I want to play this. And then the kid will say, well, I want to play that. And then they'll say, well, you told me we were going to do this. And then they say, well, how about if we do it this way? And there's this massive amount of negotiation because what that Dr. Peter Gray says is that kids are biologically, right? They want to play. That's their inner drive. So we don't have to instill that in them. They want to play. And so they know that if they're not going to negotiate or they're going to be too bossy, if they're going to be mean, then the other kid is going to quit. And so that is the safeguard that keeps everything rolling. And so it's just a really cool thing to sit back and watch when you see your, and they can be small children negotiating through different situations and trying to make it work so that the play can continue on. Wow. Well, I think that it, it, it seems a bit straightforward of how these things are good for a child, you know, going forward and communication and working with others. And in your research and your experience, what are these specific advantages of a child experiencing self-structured play? So it's going to help them with their interpersonal skills, that's for sure. Uh, but if they have the time and space to play, it's also going to help with their cognition. So what happens is when kids move in complex ways, it helps to increase the neural wiring in their brain. So you've got all of these synapses and all these connections, and you can make those stronger through complex movements. So there's this cool book, Sean, it's called Smart Moves, Why Learning is Not All in Your Head. And the author, her name is Dr. Carla Hannaford. She is a PhD and she actually, one of her big things she says is she didn't learn to read until she was 10 years old, which is kind of unheard of today. I think she's in her 80s. So she said back when she was a kid, it wasn't a big deal. She learned to read later on in her childhood, but she has a statistic in her book where she says, Elderly people who dance regularly have a 76% less chance of developing dementia. So that's a really big statistic, right? Like 76% less chance of developing dementia just by dancing. And so what she talks about in her book is that when we move in ways that challenge us, it helps to actually protect and enhance the way our brains function because it's helping all that neural wiring. So I've had experiences where we've been hiking to a waterfall and we have to go across slippery rocks your brain is firing on all cylinders because you're like is this slippery am i going to fall am i going to trip you have to really think about what you're doing so when we give our kids and and ourselves right if you're a college student and you're going to go challenge your body in some way like for example we just recently went to utah i went with my 13 year old daughter we did a trip out there with a company called moab adventure center and all of the guides for the trips that we did, Sean, were in their 20s. So they're taking people down a river through whitewater and they're picking up these huge containers of food and cooking and setting up camp, or they're taking people on these repelling trips. All of these different things are all in their 20s. Like that's actually helping your brain function. And so by having this time that's set aside where kids can 
try different movements and that's what they do. They're gonna try and climb the fence. They're gonna try and climb the tree. They're gonna try and climb a little bit harder. It's sequential, right? And that can continue all the way throughout our life with whatever hobbies, if you like mountain biking, if you like fishing, that you try things that continue to challenge you and that will help with your brain growth. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, that that connects as well to the the title of your book for um, pr- helping kids prepare for an uncertain future, because, you know, you don't know what the job market's going to look like. You don't know what the world is going to be like when you grow up or when you graduate college. And I think that th- those like more fundamental brain challenges that are make you know, strengthening your brain, strengthening your those abilities are so important. And I think actually the self-structured play of kids relates closely to self-structured or unstructured socializing in adolescence and young adulthood and college kids that, that I mostly work with. Because what I've experienced in the adolescent world is that our socializing is totally constricted by structures. And those structures are social media apps, the presence of phones in social settings. And those kind of act as this barrier between that spontaneous connection and unstructured conversation. So kids my age are losing the ability to just hang out and make stuff up in the moment, the same way that little kids are losing the ability to just go outside and play. You know, like they don't know what to do without an iPad or or what like that. So kids my age and adolescents, and young adults are just losing that ability to go up and talk. And that's why Reconnect exists. So so college kids can go outside and play without phones and, and social media apps. So- How is that wise? Here's something that's interesting, Sean. I, you bring up a really good point. Your point is, you don't know what the job market's gonna be like. Now, this is not how it's always been, Sean. You know, decades past, people did know what the job market was going to be like, and they would get a job and they would stay there for 30 years and then they would retire. And so this is a very different type of world that you're entering in. So it's a, it's neat that you realize it's good. It's gonna sound contrite. So let me rephrase. I think, I think that's fascinating that you know that, that you realize that and it just is so different than how things used to be so we can't have so much structure if we're sending our kids into a very unstructured world it may have worked 40 years ago it doesn't work right now but i think what's interesting is i saw this thing very recently Uh, it was and it, it was controversial it was this app where you could take a picture of a pile of legos and then the app would give you all sorts of ideas of things to build. And it was super controversial because yeah. some people are saying this is great for creativity. And then some people are saying, no, this is killing creativity. The yeah. point of a pile of Legos is to figure out what you're going to build, not have something else tell you what you're going to build. So yeah. that's what it made me think of that, you know, are, are we to our own detriment? Are we structuring too much? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, going into this world, we need to be able to be spontaneous and creative and, and face problems on our own. So uh, let's talk about the beauty and power of boredom. So, you know, actually my first clothing line I ever made in high school for reconnect had the tagline be bored. And while I knew it was kind of like a powerful message, I didn't know any specifics or science to back up like why I felt like it was important for us to be bored. What have you learned about the positives of boredom? 
I love that. I want to see those that clothing line. That's fantastic. Well, you can only make a clothing line when you're bored. That's it. If your time is all taken up, there's no time for your brain to wander and yeah. to and to become creative. And so that is a big thing I think that's changed is that so when I was growing up, there was a lot of downtime woven into society. So, you know, you would hear these stories, right, that there wasn't constant television available and there wasn't streaming and there wasn't YouTube. There was TV, but it was bounded in, right? It ended. And so what a cool thing. I mean, that helped, I think, kids to develop. If even if their parents didn't have to do anything or structure anything, it just was woven into society. And so when the cartoons would end, then you would have to figure out something to do. And that's sort of the bridge between nothing and creativity. And it's helping you draw from your inner resources. And so I think it's also helping with decision-making. So I talked to this woman, her name is Dr. Jean Twangy. She's pretty interesting, Sean. She's written a books about generational changes. So she has this book called iGen, which is might, might not even be your generation, it might be one before, but just talking about how actually people are really struggling. Like they're really struggling with depression and anxiety. And one of the things that she says as a college professor is that her students are starting to come to college classes and she said they can't even make simple decisions without calling their parents or texting their parents probably texting nobody calls anymore but they can't even make simple decisions without texting their parents and so that's coming from a lack of boredom because when you're bored you have to make all of your own decisions right you have to figure out what am i going to do what makes me happy oh i didn't really like that what makes me light up what am i passionate about and so all of those types of things are happening when there's space and they can't happen when we're too busy. Yeah. Boredom is that catalyst for and space for things to occur like conversations. And like you said, like thinking and processing how you're feeling and what you're going to do next. Yeah. I had a, I actually had a boredom kind of detox for two weeks. I was in, I was in Europe and I lost my phone for two weeks. So I was like, forced to be bored. I was okay. I was okay. I was with friends, but still, you know, when they, when we were on trains and they were on their phones, you know, to entertain themselves for these four hour trains, I was sitting there, you know, looking out the window. And at first it felt really, really, really uncomfortable because you can't help it. You know, you're on your phone, you're there, you know, you don't have to be bored. Mm -hmm. And I found myself when I got back from that two weeks without a phone, I got back home. I had more energy. I was like more capable of focusing and I, I was, I was cooking and normally I would put something on or put music on. And I was just like, I don't even want anything playing. I just want to sit here and live my life. You know, I had more ability to just kind of exist without needing something like a dependency on something outside of ourselves. And so have you had an experience with, with your kids kind of having a, a detox from that outside world of distractions or are they pretty much just used to having, you know, being bored? That's a good question. We have pretty much for many years sort of taken the approach of my own childhood, which is there's time for screens and then there's time that's not for screens. And that has worked for us. And, and I don't know, and it works for me too. Like if you say, look, this is a time when my phone's out, this is a time when my phone's put away. And to your point, which I think is a really good one, you are reminded of how good that feels. It feels really good to have your phone in a drawer, to leave it in the car, to go do something without a screen. And so I think that's an important part, 
like you said, not all of your listeners are parents, but I think an important part of parenting is remembering that I had, I got to have an analog childhood. I got to have parts of my life that didn't have screens associated with them. And those parts were really joy filled. And so I think it rides on our shoulders to provide that for our kids as well. So our kids are used to a fair amount of downtime and they're real creative. I mean, they, I have a daughter that plays guitar. She's 13. She is phenomenal. She's playing guitar for her first wedding uh, this weekend, 13 years old. It's because she's had time. It's yeah. so exciting. And so it is a responsibility now that lies on the shoulders of parents, but it's a cool responsibility too. Like I used to think, Sean, you know, things were different when I was a kid, like the, the moms would shut the kids out of the house, everyone would go play in the neighborhood, but there aren't as many neighborhood kids out anymore. So a lot of times I'm going along with, and I'm there, I'm the, we're there with a group of friends. And it's really enhanced my life too. I think that we got to think about it as all of the generations now are inundated with screens, whether you're 15 or 20 or 30 or I'm in my 40s, we're all inundated with screens. And I think we all need to have those checks and balances to help us to live more fulfilling lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that those checks and balances can be challenging for someone who's kind of new to this space. So like, let's say there's a listener who has kids and is, you know, completely new to this her kids are on phones all the time and she's on her phone all the time but she hears it she's like i want that i want to put my phone in a drawer i want my kids to put a phone in a drawer how would someone that's new to this approach integrating that into their lives from zero well kind of like what you're doing right it's like you're filling you're filling your time with something that exists. So like, for example, in your situation, someone's going to come to your club, right? right? And for a couple hours a week or however long that is, or bi-weekly, then they're going to have that time. And this is sort of a similar thing. So we're attempting to get outside for a certain amount of time. So that's a start, which is to say, look, you know, for three hours this week, we're going to get outside. And when we go, we're leaving our tablets at home. You can bring a book. I'm going to bring an actual camera, maybe not my phone, that type of thing. We're going to go on a short hike, 30 minutes. It's one mile. And we're going to kind of like what you talked about at the beginning. We're going to see what happens. We're going to see what captures our interest. So I always say to parents, who, but this would really apply to anyone. Right. What are the most important things to take outside? I always say food, friends, and a first aid kit. That's really all you need, but bring some good food, like make it enticing, bring some good snacks, maybe that you don't normally have. Go on a short hike, meet up at a park, go fishing, bring friends along, because that really makes a difference. And then I would say first aid kit, because stuff happens, you know, kids get hurt. Right. But yeah. I think that that works really for any age, which is you really just have to schedule it in. Right. So for- And see for, how you feel. Once, once you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So you feel good, don't you? Like, Sean, don't you feel good? It's like, you feel good. You talk about reminiscing on your own childhood and having this freedom to go play. It's like you felt, I mean, those are the times when you feel the best. Alive. Just so human. Mm -hmm. Creative. Yeah loving. Um, mm -hmm. I think that for, for someone who wants to get outside, you know, whether it's just a college kid that's stuck watching Netflix in their dorm or whether it's a, a parent with her kids, I think that there is this kind of, since we're so used to having screens occupy every second, we're like, what are we going to do? You know, what do we, what do we, we, okay, I could bring food, but like, what am I going to do? And I think that for, cause for me, I'm like, okay, I'll just get outside. I'll figure it out. You know, something will present itself. But for mm -hmm. someone who is 
caught behind that wall of, well, what am I going to do? What is a good way to kind of just jumpstart them into going outside, just going and doing something? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I think it will be different for different types of people, depending on the thrill that you're seeking. A 20 minute walk could change your whole perspective, especially if you go in the morning, you get outside the sunlight, the morning sunlight is different in terms of the spectrum. It goes through your eyes, right to your brain. It helps you release serotonin. You really feel good. It helps reset all your body systems. So that's something you could say, look, in the morning before class, before I look at my phone even, I'm going to go for a 20-minute walk around my campus. I'm going to go for a 20-minute walk around my neighborhood, something like that. So you could start small with something like that. I'm going to invite a friend, and we're going to do that together. But then the world is really filled with fascinating things in terms of outdoor recreation. So that would be a, a different idea, which is, hey, maybe you start to look at what I like to kayak, what I like to tube down a river, what I like to get into skiing, what I like to skateboard, all of these different hobbies. There's so many of them, Sean. So sometimes you can find those through your college. Like I said, I went and visited this Grand Canyon University in Arizona, and they had this whole outdoor recreation program. It was so cool, Sean. It made me want to be back in college because they're taking everyone on these phenomenal trips. You just had to pay for the cost. There wasn't any extra money. They were all guided. They had a place where you could rent very cheaply, like camping equipment and sleeping bags, and you could try all of these different things. So there's some tiered levels to it, but you can start small. And then I would say like be wide eyed. Like what is it that entices you? And a lot of times you can get started in outdoor sports fairly cheaply. You know, there's always going to be that high end, right, where you can get the really expensive fishing pole and you can get the really expensive mountain bike. But if you're just wanting to try it out and see if you like it, there's always cheap ways You get something used, go do it with some friends. And I use Google Maps. I, you know, I, I'll just type in like hike or river or beach or waterfall. So there's really good technological options that help like all like the all trails app that help you find what is in your area. Yeah, I think, okay, going back a little bit to boredom kind of for this college student, let's say who's stuck in their dorm for, for someone who is, you know, fills every two seconds, you know, with a TikTok video, whenever they get an open space in their mind where they could be processing or anything like that for a student like that, there is going to be that immediate discomfort of being away from your phone and being away mm. from distractions. And so what is a good way to uh, not just embrace that mentally, but kind of like logistically, because it's such a strong pull of our phone to even if we're like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and be free of my phone. What is a good way to kind of get over that hump of the discomfort being away from our phone and being bored to to get to that golden nugget past it, which is, you know, processing and thinking and being curious, you know, that comes from that boredom. Oh, Sean, we've gone so far, haven't we? This is hard. Yeah. This is hard for kids that have grown up with this. And I am very empathetic. Uh, it's a really tricky spot to be in of having that and not having had experiences without structure. So there's there's some fun ways. Like for example, there is this company called Aro and they it's spelled A-R-O and they have this box that you put your phone in 
and then you accrue minutes of time away from your phone and it's meant to be this sort of celebratory kind of even like 1000 hours outside it's like let's celebrate like okay I, I was away from my phone for four minutes today and you're kind of celebrating and it's a, it's a cool solution i think maybe you would want to have things on hand like a good book like find the one that's got the best reviews and just have it there and can we swap can we swap the phone time for 10 minutes of reading pick the one that's really good not the one that has just a few reviews but you got to find the one that's real enticing or you know it's, it's kind of like this swap and maybe you have to start small i was thinking of some other ideas like if you have and this is to each their own but like you have a cross stitch kit or these there's really cool things like people are getting back to a lot of things with their hands there is this information that says when you work with your hands it helps your brain release dopamine so like actually work with your hands like in a crafty way so maybe you like to woodwork or you do some different sewing projects it's like well we're not even hardly using our hands anymore but to swipe and press buttons mm -hmm. and so those types of things make you feel good i feel like probably you would have the better answer because you're in it but you know i would imagine it's just it's small swaps at the beginning it's relearning what it is that you love about life that makes you feel alive that makes you feel human and starting to flip-flop just a little bit and and to be really proud of that i think look if you fill all of your life with TikTok, and you can take 10 minutes away from that or 15 minutes in a day i think you should be real proud of that because you've been set up in a really hard situation that you know, they say it's like these are the most brilliant minds that are trying to keep you hooked and as a child. So yeah. you should be real proud of any accomplishment that you can make, like go to the reconnect movement, go to the club, you know, and all of that and be very proud of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that is really important is not beating ourselves up for letting, you know, a panel of the 50 top, you know, engineer, brain engineers, so, uh, you know, um, cyber engineers, like working to make these so addictive and then like not beating yourself up when you do succumb or you feel like it's not enough. And then like, I like what you said about swapping too, because if you're just going to try to get away from it and set it on the counter in front of you and sit down, stare at it and like, try to just sit there, like, you know, you need a book, you need to leave it in the dorm and then walk outside or something like that. And then yeah, get some friends to be there to kind of distract you or occupy. Yeah, go play a card game, you know, play, can you, yeah. can you play one game of cards, you know, yeah. in a, in a day with some friends or something like that. And in time, I think those things start to add up. Yeah, I agree. And I think same way that when I was in Europe and I didn't have my phone for two weeks. And at first I genuinely, I really felt this sensation throughout my body, like extreme discomfort of like, I don't know what to do with myself. But once I got past that, it, it was nice. I got to enjoy the moments around me, the world around me. I got to see what was outside the window. I got to even just like looking at the table, like, huh, this is kind of a cool design, you know, stuff like that, where it's yeah. just like you're actually using your brain. And I think that that will slowly kind of, you know, form in, in your, as you practice doing these things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Ginny, you have no idea how much it means to me that you are out there saving childhoods. Because, you know, I, I mentioned this before we started recording, but my mom was huge on sending me outside constantly throughout my childhood. I was running around a neighborhood with, you know, luckily before before kids stopped, there was there was a pretty good amount of kids in my neighborhood and we'd go hang out and ride bikes. And it was just amazing memories that I will cherish forever from my childhood. And of course, I love my childhood and it was awesome, but I had no idea how crucial it was for who I am now and what I'm becoming, those experiences. So 
This is what I see, Ginny, when I look out at the landscape of human interaction from childhood into into adulthood. I see a devastated landscape and Mm -hmm. it needs to be restored. And we've got to bring it back to health and thriving. And having conversations like this with a leader who sees this problem and is doing something about it now, now when I look at this devastated landscape, I see an oasis for childhood. And when I look out at college age kids at that time in life, and I look at reconnect, I see another oasis. Right. And, and someday we're going to grow these big enough that they're going to connect to each other and we're going to restore this ecosystem. And yeah. so thank you so much for the work you're doing. You're I mean, inspired. how cool would that be, right? Like a, like a thousand hours outside kid. That's what people say. Like, they'll be like, this is a thousand hours outside kid. They'll have a kid that was a kid. Their kid's like eating dirt or whatever. And then they join your club. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, they join your club and connect. And I, I do think so. It becomes this really cool partnership of, mm-hmm. of scaffolding, right? Throughout life and, you know, people that are valuing similar things and, and knowing that it's important and also knowing that we have to be intentional to get there. It doesn't happen without intentionality. So you have to join the club. You got to go, go meet up and build relationships with people who have a very similar outlook to you, knowing that it's going to impact not only yourself and your small social circle, but it starts to extend because when you see other people without their phones and you see other people engaging in conversation, you know, if your club meets and it's maybe out in a public space and people see that it inspires them too to be like, Oh wait, maybe I should slide that away. Or I, I want that, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it, it absolutely is going to be like that to where the kids who grow up as thousand hours outside kids, they're going to go into this, you know, realm of school and college, and they're going to be surrounded by devices and everybody and all this stuff. They're going to need that, you know, like beacon of hope of a, of a reconnect club to be like, all right, we go hiking every week, you know, and we do this and that. And so it's going to be like this, like you said, scaffolding all the way up, kind of this, like navigating for this, these new generations through this mm-hmm. kind of crazy world that they've been thrown into. And yeah. I think it kind of connects all the way through because, you know, they're going to be a kid and they're going to want to be a thousand hours outside kid. They're going to be wanting to spend time outside and then they're going to go to high school and college. And they're going to be like, I need to be part of a reconnect club because I need to make friends that are also wanting to do this. And then they're going to go out in the world. Yeah. And they're going to be like, wait, what do I do now? And that's when we create huge societal change of be- making it normal to have phone free spaces throughout our everyday lives everywhere. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the scaffolding that used to exist in society exactly. and doesn't anymore. Exactly. It used and to be I, there. It did. It was, it was built in, you know, you're waiting in line and then mm-hmm. you're bored. But I, and I think actually yeah. enough, it kind of relates to like conservation of the actual, of mother nature. Like I've been listening to a lot of conservation podcasts and it's, they kind of talk about how we can no longer just let nature do its thing and have it be okay. We've impacted it all too much. Now we need to actively conserve, work to conserve nature and like help it along and, and you know, make sure that it's okay, you know, and, and that needs to happen. We, like you said, it, it's an active thing. We have to provide these, the scaffolding for kids in order for them to create this environment that they need. Mm, that's a cool parallel. I like that. Yeah. So um, you're absolutely, you're inspiring me to keep going with, with my movement and you're inspiring me even more that is absolutely so needed and important. So I am really, really excited about the future. Thanks to you and me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sean. I really have loved being here. 
really cool to connect with your audience and it is fantastic what you're doing very needed so keep going and i'm sure that we will stay in touch well, touche thank you so much all right bye jenny bye